This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rick Wolf, who's along with the Sports Edge program that follows our 8 o'clock update on the fan this and every Sunday morning. And good morning, I'm Bob Salter. In hour two of our program, we're going to cover a topic that, as I've mentioned earlier in our program, we've broached a couple of times previously. The guest who is joining us has spoken with us before on this program. Her name is Jacqueline Newman. Jacqueline is a divorce attorney, experienced New York matrimonial law expert. She's based here in the city, managing partner of a Fifth Avenue Manhattan law firm. And she is joining us to talk with us as well as the author of a couple of publications. They're very interesting titles. Um, We'll get into talking about them as well during our discussion First of all, Jacqueline, it's nice to have you join us again on WFAN. Thanks so much for having me. And good morning to you. I hope you've been well. Thanks, you too. Good. Um, I guess background-wise, it was a couple of years ago when we talked the last time, but for those who had not heard us speak before, in your background, what was it that um, sparked you to want to be a divorce attorney? Well, I've actually always wanted to be a divorce attorney, probably since junior high, which is just so odd for a child. Yeah, <laughs> but <exactly. laughs> my uh, my parents were both psychotherapists, so the big family joke in my home was that uh, I was too aggressive to be a therapist. <laughs> so this kind of was the next best thing. <laughs> okay, now this area of law, when you talk to students. What do they ask you about practicing this area of law? I mean, many, you know, it's become very popular, actually. Uh, We're getting a lot of younger, you know, graduating law students who are interested in uh, family law. And one of the reasons, I think, is because there is that interdisciplinary um, approach where you really are learning about all different types of things. I mean, it's it's not boring, I can tell you that. Um, And I think the idea that, you know, people get to work with other people, and that, that's a good feeling, I think, a lot for especially, the you know, our youth who are just in a situation where they, they want to speak to other people. They don't want to be sitting behind a desk and, you know, pushing paper all the time. So that's very interesting. I think the feeling that you can really help people, I think, is very, very motivating to a lot of students. And, again, 
what I say to people all the time is, again, it's not boring, and that you really are in a position where you learn about, you know, I represent people that are athletes, so I learn all about contracts and agents. I represent people who are investment bankers, people who own their own businesses, um, all sorts of people that have all different types of fields. So you learn about these things. And, you know, I joke that I could pretty much have a sentence or two in any topic, um, you know, and it gives you a lot of cocktail conversation. (laughs) Now, let's get into a little bit of definition here. We hear the term legal separation as well as the term divorce. What's the difference between the two in New York? So legal separation, you know, when people say that they're legally separated, they're probably not. Um, You know, people use it very loosely. Like if they move out from each other, they say, oh, we're legally separated. But you're not. To get a technical legal separation, you actually have to file for it, which I've been doing this almost 20 years, and I've never, ever, ever filed for an actual legal separation. So it's very, very rare. What people usually mean is that they've signed a separation agreement and they're living separate and apart, so they think they're legally separated. But when you're divorced, divorce is where you actually get a judgment from the court saying you are now divorced, and that is really what's commonly done. But legal separations, you know, again, as I said, they're probably just living pursuant to a separation agreement and then just calling themselves legally separated, which is fine, but it's not accurate. The perception of divorce in this country, how has that changed in the period of time that you've been practicing law? You know, it has changed. I mean, when I first started practicing, I think there was much more of a stigma to it. Now, you know, we're saying that it's over 50% divorce rate. And, and even when you say that, you're not even factoring so many people that aren't getting married anymore, but are, fact, you know, are living in situations where they would typically would have gotten married, say, 10 or 20 years ago. They have children together. They buy property together. So if you're not even factoring those people in who break up and then go through the same process that feels like a divorce, um, you know, I believe the divorce rate is even probably higher. So now, while, you know, it seems sad to say, I would say it's much more commonplace. I think the stigma is gone. Um, you know, a lot of the schools have recognized that divorce is an issue, and they have programs called, like, banana splits and all sorts of things. So I really do feel like there's been just, I mean, I can tell you we've gotten busier, and I think that you're just in a position where more people are getting divorced and the stigma is just gone. You know, there's, of course, always been, you know, comedians have had a field day with um, divorce and jokes and the like. But more people in our society are familiar with this uh, topic. You know, one of the things I do outside of here is in college classroom and I get try to get to know the students. And I'm always amazed at the number of students who come from homes where, you know, their parents are divorced. Um Again, to me, that's maybe I'm showing my age or, you know, uh, lack of sophistication or whatever. I'm still shocked by just how many families have been touched by divorce in this country. Um, Yeah, it really is. I mean, again, when you're dealing, you know, with a 50% plus divorce rate, it's going to happen. And it it is definitely something much more commonplace. As I said, children, you know, children are friends with each other. I mean, there are programs in schools now that are really addressing this because it is just so incredibly, um, you know, I hate the word, use the word popular, but it's so, you know, it's happening so frequently. Mm. Okay. A couple of questions that come to mind naturally. I mentioned at the beginning of this discussion that you've come out with uh, two books. One has the title, Soon to be X." A Woman's Guide to Her Perfect Divorce and Relaunch, and the other one is Soon to Be X for Men, Preserving Wealth, 
fatherhood and sanity during divorce. Natural thought here is, why those books now? Well, I released them, you know, just to show a little uh, little dark humor. I released them both on Valentine's Day this I, year. I noticed that, yes. <laughs> um, why now? So I've always wanted to write a book uh, to kind of give the inside the inside perspective from a divorce lawyer's perspective. And there, that doesn't really exist right now um, outside of these two books. So, you know, there's a lot of divorce books out there that talk, you know, from a psychologist's perspective that kind of talk about, you know, the emotional aspects of it. And, you know, and there are definitely some books out there that, you know, you have the bitter people that have gone through it and they've written books about it. And I think that those kind of spur a lot of anger, even though I do think that they're probably helpful on some level to have somebody else relate. These books really aren't about that. They really are a practical guide to what it's like going through divorce. And again, from the you know, from my perspective, I've seen it from both sides. I've seen both genders go through it. I'm, I can write a woman's book where I can relate to what the woman is going through and explain it and explain it, you know, some of the fears that I see most women have. And I can also give her a perspective of what the male's going through because I think when you're negotiating a divorce or even if you're litigating it, it's important to understand what the other person's going through because if you don't understand that, it's very hard to get into their heads to be able to figure out how to negotiate settlements. And so in both books, again, with men too, I've seen what they've gone through. I mean, men, the male book, actually was, you know, interesting. I mean, I wrote that after the female book, but it's kind of an interesting book to write because a lot of men, you know, don't generally go and read these type of books. And so it's probably a little bit more direct maybe than the woman's. There's probably, there is emotional elements that I absolutely address. But for them, I think it's also very important for them to understand what their spouses would be going through because they want to move through this divorce as well. And sometimes they might have not not have been as emotionally available and as emotionally tuned into what the woman's going through. So I really am hopeful that those that read this book will understand the technical process, but they'll also understand some of the emotional aspects of it. And I try to make it, you know, I won't say light and funny, but, you know, it, it's not a super, super serious textbook type of book. It, it's, you know, it's kind of the way I speak to people. It's direct. It's a lot of things that I talk to my clients about. So I'm hoping it will not be as hard of a book to read when you're dealing with such a difficult topic. Okay. A couple of thoughts I want to cover as well. One term that a lot of people have heard discussed over the years is this term prenuptial agreement. What exactly is that from a legal standpoint? So a prenuptial agreement is really an agreement you enter into before marriage, um, plans prenuptial. And there also are postnuptials, which are agreements you'd enter in after marriage. But a prenuptial agreement will generally address what I say the two big Ds of life, divorce and death. So many people are entering into them, and they have become much more popular over the last, I'd say, 10 years. Um, where people are entering into if they want to protect their assets, if they want to, um, you know, address basically what would happen in the event of divorce and death as much as they possibly can. And when we talk about divorce and the procedures that are involved, what are we talking about? Well, when people are getting divorced, I mean, one of the things that they have to first determine is how they want to get divorced. Do they want to get divorced via mediation? Do they want to get divorced via collaborative law? Do they want to get divorced via litigation, which is probably a little bit more standard? And we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, collaborative and a little more definitions before later. Mm-hmm. But... Again, the first thing they want to do is they have to figure out the process. Then they have to figure out what attorney they want to work with. And then after that, 
depending on which process they work on. It's really a question of, you know, how they move forward. So if you're mediating, you obviously have, you know, meeting sessions with your mediator. You, again, pick your attorneys for the outside. If it's collaborative, you pick your attorneys, and you're going to have lots of meetings about that and kind of working forward with the attorneys in the room. And then if it's litigation, your attorneys are probably more likely to be the the people that are interacting with each other. Um, and again, in most cases, you know, you'll at least try to negotiate a settlement before running to court. But if you are running to court, then you file a summons. You file with something called what's called an RJI, which is a request for judicial intervention, and that's where a judge will be appointed. And then you're off to the races in court. How long a period of time is the wait typically between the time that that's filed and it actually gets to court? You know, it's an excellent question, and it's one of my most popular questions. Um, And, you know, it really depends. You know, I tell my clients, like, if you can tell me how long it's going to take for you and your spouse to get on the same page, I can tell you how long it's going to take. (laughs) You know, it's so difficult. I've had cases where, you know, I had a mediation session, and this is very rare, but I had a mediation session recently where, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of things they had fighting about, and they knew, you know, they had simple assets to say, you know, they had a lot of assets, but simple assets, and they were able to kind of split it right down the middle. And, you know, we finished basically, you know, we had one mediation session and kind of went through their outstanding issues. Now, I will say that is probably rare. Um, When you're talking about litigation, I have litigations. Right now, I have a litigation that's going on longer than the marriage did. So, you know, to answer your question, it could kind of be, generally, I'll tell people it'll be anywhere from, say, three months, you know, it could be to three or four years, depending on how far you want to go. Um, but once you do the uncontested divorce papers, which is, you know, once you've signed your agreement and then you do a series of uncontested papers, I tell people that once those are in the court, then I can tell you that you're probably getting divorced anywhere between three and six months. Interesting discussion with Jacqueline Newman on our program. We'll take a pause in our discussion with you, Jacqueline, and come back talk more with you a little later in the hour. Try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us as well. Jacqueline is a divorce attorney, and that's our topic, divorce, on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. All right, talking a little CMB. You know I'll be there tomorrow afternoon. And good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter. We're in discussion with Jacqueline Newman on our program. Rick Wolf Sports Edge follows our 8 o'clock update on The Fan this morning. Ed Randall's talking baseball is all long after our 9 o'clock update. By the way, this is the morning two of the New York City half marathon, so beware because there will be some... Um, road closures and the like as you uh, travel out and about um, this morning, too. Hopefully, uh, those of you who were out and observed St. Patrick's Day had a good and safe time doing that. We're talking about this topic of divorce with uh, Jacqueline on our program. She is a divorce divorce lawyer and uh, experienced New York matrimonial law expert. Uh, her firm's website, by the way, is NYC Divorce Lawyer. That's all as one word dot com. Now, let's get to the I'll do a pun here. Sixty four thousand dollar question, because this often comes up in discussions about this. Is there any way to answer the question that some people think when they hear a discussion like the one we're having? How much does does divorce actually cost? You know, how much it's going to cost really, again, ties into the same question, which is, you know, how much it's going to cost is my number one popular question. Number two was how long it was going to take. (laughs) (laughs) And they really do tie together because, again, you know, attorneys will bill on an hourly rate generally. So, again, it's, it's just the math to say, well, how long is it going to take is going to determine how much it's probably going to cost. But that said... 
Um, if you're doing a simple divorce and everybody comes to the table, knows exactly what they want, and you're really just looking at, you know, someone drafting papers, you know, then you should probably cost, you know, at least in New York City, I can say, anywhere between 2500 to, say, 7500 for something very, very basic and simple. However, if you're not settled on the issues, and especially if there's going to be custody claims, I mean, you can have legal fees that can be from $100,000 to a $1 million. I mean, it can really, really, really grow once you're dealing with litigation and once you're dealing with custody issues. As they say, it's something you want to think about very clearly uh, based on those kind of numbers, too. What about the situation where in some states, I know there's an actual requirement for the parties involved to be separated for a certain period of time before they can file for divorce? Um, is that the case, first of all, in New York? And then the natural question I'm sure probably comes up is some people must say, well, wait a minute, how can we shorten that time? So New York used to be that, and many states used to have that um, where you'd have to be separated for a period of time. Usually you had to sign a separation agreement and then live separate and pursuant to it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, New York is no longer a fault state, and neither are any other states. There are some states that may have some requirements that you they want you to go through, so you know it's not as easy as just signing a piece of paper to be able to get divorced, but you no longer have to live. You used to have to live in New York a, a year. You had to sign an agreement, then wait a year. That's no longer the case. So now in New York, you can sign your agreement. You get divorced on irretrievable breakdown of the marriage. That's now the new standard. Um, so you actually don't have to wait that time anymore, which is great. Irretrievable breakdown of the marriage? Yep, that's the standard. <laughs> Interesting term. All right, the natural question also that I'm sure comes up from some of the people who you talk with, they ask, do they themselves have to go to court? Again, it depends. If you're able to settle your case outside of court and you don't need a judge to weigh in on it, then yeah, you can avoid seeing the inside of a courtroom. You could basically do all your paperwork with your attorneys, then they submit what we referred to before as these uncontested divorce papers, and you never ever have to go to court. Mm. You used the term collaborative divorce earlier, and we alluded to the, you alluded to the fact we would talk a little bit more about exactly what that involved. What is a collaborative divorce? So collaborative divorce is where you work with collaboratively trained attorneys and you enter into an agreement saying you're not going to go to court. So there's a very big push on settlement. The kicker to collaborative divorce is that if the process breaks down and either party can decide they don't want to do it anymore, you cannot use those same attorneys in litigation. So again, a really big push on settlement. The other thing that's nice about the collaborative process is that it's an interdisciplinary process where you bring in a divorce coach, which is a therapist trained in the model. You'll bring in a financial neutral, um, and then you'll also bring in a child specialist if applicable. So I always tell clients I'm the most expensive player on the team. Why wouldn't you use these other experts? You know, as things go, if mediation is not something you can do because you feel you really need an attorney in the room, I think collaborative is the, you know, the best next step. Mm. All right. I should mention the fact that in the course of this hour, if you want to join us in our discussion, uh, some people may have questions in the areas of things that we're going to talk about here or have touched upon. 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at uh, WFAN. Uh, You can be part of this discussion. Let's talk a little bit more about the books that you mentioned earlier that were released uh, on Valentine's Day. The first one has that title of Soon-to-be-X, A Woman's Guide to Her Perfect 
divorce and relaunch. Now, the question that I guess comes up for some people is this whole idea of trying to figure out when it is that they know they're really ready for a divorce. How do you answer that question? Well, it's actually one of the questions that I ask clients when they walk into my office. Um, You know, I generally will say to them, are you sure you want to get divorced? Because if they question it, even for a moment, I suggest that they go to therapy, you know, try marriage counseling, do what they can, because you need to be sure that you want to be divorced before you go through the process. It's emotionally exhausting. It's financially exhausting. And you just don't want to go through that if you're not 100, 100% sure. So that's really my question to them is, are you sure you want to get divorced? And if they are, then we need to start thinking strategically. And we need to start thinking, is this the right time to get divorced? And there's all sorts of reasons why it might not be. You know, you may have, you know, for an example, a young child that you don't trust your spouse with. And I have a lot of clients that have babies that just feel like they don't think that their spouse can take care of their baby, or they just feel like there's no possibility they cannot sleep under the same roof with this child at any time. And if that's the case, you may not be ready for divorce because these are things that are going to happen. So people need to be ready. They need to make sure they're ready, and they need to make sure this is the right time. And there are various other reasons, you know, that we talk about whether this is the right time. But that's the number one question. You have to think of this, can I do it, and is it the right time? Is it a situation where judges actually care if your future ex is a cheater? Yeah, this is this is always a tough one, um, and it's a very hard pill to swallow because when it comes down to it, courts don't really care. Um, and it's very hard because you have a client who's been doing, you know, hired a private investigator or has, you know, been checking text messages or whatever it is, and they come in with this whole, all this evidence into my office, and they want to have this big aha moment, and I have to say to them, I'm sorry, you know, it's really not going to factor in anymore. Once New York got rid of no fault, um, I mean, sorry, once New York adopted no fault, and, you know, fault wasn't an issue anymore, it's just not something that comes up. I mean, the only times it's relevant is if, the husband spends a lot of money on this person, and you can make what's called a marital waste claim, or if the husband has introduced this person to the children, which will factor into custody and judgment and things like that. But other than that, it's just not going to make a difference, and that's, that's really upsetting to many people. What tactics can be used to protect the children? The best tactic that someone can do is that they can be an adult during the marriage and they can recognize that children are children and just do everything they can to protect them, meaning that they should not be talking to their children about divorce and about what's going on. They should not be bad-mouthing their spouse to the children, you know, and just keep the kids out of it. I mean, that's really the number one thing you can do. You know, I have all my clients come in and say the number one thing I want to do is protect my children. But then, you know, some clients will go on to talk about all the things they've done that all they're doing is emotionally damaging their children. And I think that, you know, it's very natural when you're going through a divorce to kind of be thinking about your own feelings and what you're going through. And people really need to step out and they need to say, when I sit and say bad things about my spouse to my kids, how do my kids feel about that? You know, and you may feel justified to explain to the children why you're so angry at daddy or, you know, and, and, but don't do that. <laughs> you know, they, they can't be involved. Even older children, you know, don't want to be involved in it. I mean, I have adult children that are saying, I just don't, just keep me out of it. I love you both and that's all I want to do and I don't want to think about it. So the best way you can protect your children, again, is to try to end marriages in the most civilized ways possible 
and definitely don't involve them. Well, do mothers usually get the kids? You know, it depends. I mean, if you had asked me this question 20 years ago, I would say unless, you know, mom's basically beating these children, yeah, mom's going to get custody. But that's just not the case anymore. I mean, probably one of the biggest shifts I'd seen in divorce and in the landscape of it is that fathers are much more involved than they used to be. They're changing diapers. They're watching their kids. I mean, and I have fathers now that are coming in and saying, I want 50-50 custody. And I say, okay, let's talk about it because it just it wasn't the case back in the day, but now it's very, very popular. So if you ask me that question, do mothers usually get the kids? I'd say no. You know, again, I think at this point, many, many men, I mean, we have a lot of stay-at-home dads now that just didn't kind of happen really that often, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but, yeah, I don't say mothers always get the kids. I think now we're in a situation where if a dad wants to wants 50-50 time or he wants to be involved in the kids, you know, courts are going to really entertain it in a way that they just never did before. WFAN's toll-free line is 877-337-6666. It's brought to you by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. Plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Let's see if we can squeeze in a call here. Um, Let's go first to Jennifer in Brooklyn. Jennifer, thanks for holding on. Good morning. Welcome to the fan. Yes. Jennifer, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, please speak up. You're on the air. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Let me hope the progress of life are still abiding as God's blessings of you also to do. I am calling with regards to my situation that I'm facing with my husband. We have been together for almost 40 years, and I came to this country, and I worked very hard, and I brought him here. And he stays a little around, and he left because I'm sick now, and I'm having problems with my body. And my knees and go away and leave me in a bad situation. Not even coming home or helping me. Right now I'm facing eviction and he don't even care about whatever is happening to me. So I'm making up my mind to see I'm going to do a divorce because it doesn't make sense to be in a situation like this with someone that doesn't care about you anymore. Okay. Do you have a specific question? Yes, because they are saying the Bible says, you know, divorce is a sin. But I think I have to pray to God, and I want to make this, if it is possible for me to do it, God's will, I do it. I'm going to do it. Okay. All right. I'm going to let um, Jacqueline respond to your call uh, on air. Certainly. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Okay. You're welcome. Jacqueline? Yes. I'm sorry. I just want to be very clear. Is your question, can you just repeat your question? I wasn't completely clear on what the actual question was. Well, the question is, um, the Bible says it's a sin to divorce. Right. But I have gotten married and I'm in this situation for over 40 years. And I brought my husband to this country. And since he came here, he changed a lot and he left me and go away. And I'm in situations now that I'm facing eviction, and he's not helping me. And I think I just have to make up my mind to do a divorce. So is your question whether that you should move forward with the divorce, even though the Bible says it's a sin? Is that is that the question? Yeah. So I I can't necessarily you know speak to your religious beliefs, but mm-hmm. I can tell you that you know if you're in a situation that 
that isn't working for you and that you want to be basically, you don't want to be married to this person anymore. I mean, obviously the law can help you um, in regards to reconciling that with your religious beliefs. I mean, that's something that, you know, that, that you're going to have to work through. But I can tell you that, you know, I, I do a lot of divorces for very religious people and sometimes they feel that their circumstances are so bad that they have to move forward despite what, you know, what the Bible yes, says. Yes, I believe in that. I have to move forward right now because it's whatever I'm facing too. I was not expecting that. And I'm really disappointed in my marriage, so I have to go through the divorce. Okay. Well, certainly the best to you. Thank you very much for your call. I'm very sorry to hear that you're going through that. Uh, okay. Thank have you. A Good luck. Good morning. Okay. Bye-bye. We're going to take a pause in our discussion. We'll take more calls. You want to join us, 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at The Fan. Ted Randall's Talking Baseball that follows our 9 o'clock update on The Fan this and every Sunday morning this time of the year. And Rick Wolf Sports Edge is along after our 8 o'clock update. I'm Bob Salter. We're in a discussion with Jacqueline Newman on our program. She is a divorce attorney and a matrimonial law expert in New York. She is sharing with us in our discussion. What we'll try to do is work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us as well. 877-337-6666 is our phone number here at The Fan. Let's go back to the phone to Peter in Islandia. Peter, thanks for holding on. Welcome to The Fan. Bob, excellent show this morning. Good morning, Jack. Thank you. Guys, I'd like to just uh, get your personal opinions, Jacqueline, and what had happened is me and my spouse are currently going through a divorce, and um, what had happened is we started off on our job as equals, meaning we both made the same pay grade. My wife had since graduated from her nursing degree, and then hence became a nurse, hence getting a higher salary. My question to you is this, and I'll listen to your answer. Um, is it possible that a male or the husband can get spousal support for his two children that they currently have shared custody with? I'll listen to your answer. So, yes. I mean, spousal support is it's a gender-neutral statute, So, and it's, cal- it's calculated. There's a formula to it. It doesn't specify that it's men to women or women to men. So, yes, if she's earning more income than you are, then, and, you know, they'll basically plug in the spousal maintenance formula and they'll be able to ascertain whether you are eligible for spousal support. So the answer is yes for that. But I just want to be very clear, though. You mentioned children. children there's spousal support and there's child support. They're separate, they're separate payments. So whether you're eligible for child support, that would really de- depend on your um, custody arrangement. So if you're in a 50-50 time with your children, you're both spending half of the time with them, then, again, there's a calculation that will take place as to whether you're eligible for child support. But if she's earning more than you are then, and it's a 50-50 time, then you would be eligible for spousal, uh, child support and spousal support. Well, okay. Can I answer my question? Thank you. Have a good day, folks. You too. Thank you. Thank you Hi, for your now. call this morning. 877-337-6666 is our phone number at the fan. You want to jump in with a thought or question, you can. Um, you know, that led perfectly into an area where I was thinking of going, which is this whole issue of child support. You know, some people will wonder if it's the case that the mother always gets child support, but I guess that's not a hundred percent of the time, is it? Absolutely not. So again, 
depending, it's really formulas. And at this moment, you know, as we were just speaking about before, a lot of men are now in a situation where they're getting 50-50 time and some are even getting more than the mother. And if the, they have more time with the, with the children, more overnights, then they will receive child support. Um, and also, at least in New York, if it's 50-50 access, then, and the wife makes more than the husband, then, again, he'll be eligible for child support. So it is definitely not a always mother's rule like it used to be. Mm. What about alimony? Same thing with alimony. So alimony, just so for definitional state, they, people now call it spousal maintenance or spousal support. Um, so when I use those words, I'm using them interchangeably. Mm. But, uh, yes, now it's not, again, it's really a formula, and it's a gender-neutral formula. So if the wife is making more money than the husband and he qualifies under the formula, then he will be entitled to spousal support. A question that naturally comes up in discussions like this as well, and I guess theoretically it really could be raised by either spouse, is the idea of exploring whether or not somebody is in an abusive marriage. And abusive can be in a variety of fashions, as I understand it. Is that really the case, Jacqueline? Yes. I mean, there are different types of abuse. So there's obviously the physical abuse, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is what they make TV shows about, and that's kind of self-explanatory. But there's also emotional abuse. And, you know, emotional abuse is a very hard thing to define because, you know, it's hard to know when somebody is just getting in a fight or when someone's actually being emotionally abused. Um, You know, I... You know, I basically in my book we talk about the top five indicators of an emotional abuse relationship is intimidation, guilt trips, shaming, you know, when someone puts an extra charm to kind of take over it, and then when they turn the tables where they basically will claim, the abuser will claim, in fact, that it's the victim is the one that's causing all these problems when, in fact, it's not, and then they'll induce guilt. So it, it's a confusing thing. And then there's also, you know, something that called financial abuse, which, you know, if we have time, we'll talk about later. So there really are a lot of different aspects of abuse, um, and it's something that, you know, if these people, if anyone's going through therapy, they should be bringing these issues to their therapist and seeing if really the therapist believes that this person's in an abusive place. Mm. Another question that I think it's appropriate to bring up in the age in which we live where people are so involved with social media, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate when it comes to talking about one's future ex on social media? My rule is nothing is appropriate. <laughs> My rule is that, you know, I say to people, I want you to get a pair of gloves and I want you to sew the fingers together so you cannot be on social media during divorce. <laughs> I mean, it is a nightmare and it's such, you know, it's one of those things and it makes me so angry when people do it because all they're doing is they're basically putting out to the world something that they're going to probably regret later. Like I usually say, if you are okay, if you want to write something down into social media, if you're okay with your spouse seeing it, the judge in your case seeing it, and your children seeing it one day, then fine, do it. But if not, I would stay away from it. Nothing good comes from it. And I I can't emphasize that enough. Please, please, please stay away from social media during divorce. Hmm. Do people who come to see you also raise the question, I would just imagine people might say to you, you know, Jacqueline, um, once this divorce is settled, 
when's it appropriate for me to start dating? You know, it, it is a question we get a lot, as you can imagine. I can imagine. I, yes. I am, a, I am a proponent of you do not want the divorce to dictate your life. This is a difficult enough process. And so I am okay with people dating while they're going through divorce, with a few caveats. One, I don't want you taking, you know, this person that you're dating to your spouse's favorite restaurant and sit at your most romantic table where you know <laughs> that their best friend's going to be, you know, the waitress at the restaurant. <laughs> like, don't do that. So you can do it. I want you to be subtle about it. You know, be respectful. There's no reason for your, well, I would not encourage you to lie. There's no reason for you to be throwing in your spouse's face, which, again, stay off social media mm-hmm. about it. And definitely, definitely, definitely do not introduce this person to your children. So, and don't spend a lot of money on the person. So, you know, it's okay to continue your life. You want to know that there's someone out there for you. You want to feel like you can move on. So I think it's okay as long as you're respectful and subtle and, you know, just do it in a nice civilized manner and keep your kids out of it. And what is this? What's with this? Because this is a couple of times you've alluded to this idea of people introducing this person to their children. I mean, what do, the, what do they really think is going to come from that? You know, what happens a lot is that, you know, someone's very, very excited about the new person they're dating. And they have this dream that this person's going to kind of slip right into this, their ex-spouse's spot. And, you know, and again, it's, it's a lot of times it's emotional. Um, you know, sometimes what happens, and this, this is hard to avoid, you know, very often people will be having romantic relationships with people the kids might already know. It might be the parent of another child. Um, you know, someone they meet on the soccer field. So that becomes a little bit of a tricky type of situation if the children already know the person. But And so a lot of times people think that's okay. Well, they already know Susie's father, so that's fine. And it's like, it's not fine. Um, so it comes up a lot, and it's something that, you know, I really just encourage people over and over and over again. Until the paper is signed, there are no introductions to be made. But, you know, I think people just want that instant family. They want to feel like everything's going to mess. Or sometimes even more practically, they just want to make sure this person's going to be nice to their children before they get more serious, which, again, I could understand, and I respect the fact that they want to make sure their children will be okay with it, but they just have to know there's a time for everything, and during divorce is not the time. Jacqueline Newman is who's talking with us on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. Back to the phone we go at 877-337-6666. That's our number here at WFAN. And let's go to Frank, who's been waiting on Long Island. Frank, good morning. Frank. Good morning. How are you? Welcome to The Fan. Thank you. Uh, hi, Jacqueline. I, just hi, wanna give you, I want to give you a little a scenario of how I made things a little easier for myself, and I think it might help people. When, when I got divorced, I didn't fight to have like a 50-50 custody. What I did fight for was a couple of more visitation days, which was, which was tough on me in the beginning. But what I did was I lived as close as possible. I lived like a half a mile from my ex's house. And what happened is I was able to take them to school, take them to their sporting events. I was able to be more part of their lives. When my parents were divorced and one lived in Jersey, and the other one lived on Long Island, and, and that became a nightmare for me because most divorced fathers have to realize their children want a, a central home. They want a base. They don't want to go from house to house, and especially when they become teenagers because the worst thing in the world is to have to go visit your father when you want to spend time with your friends, and parents have to realize that. So really the biggest point is to stay close by, be able to do the little things, and you could be part of their lives that way without 
without going from house to house to house to house. Frank, I would absolutely agree. Living close is incredibly, incredibly important. And I think it's great also, you know, taking kids to school, that's something a lot of people will do as well. So I absolutely agree with you on those points. And, and it's nice to hear that it sounds like, you know, you really were able to make it work as best as one could. Yeah, and in the beginning when I we first sat down, the lawyer said, all right, you're going to get one day a week and every other weekend. And I, I was like, what the hell? I couldn't believe it. I mean, it, it totally destroyed me. I, I mean, I got two days. I got two days one week, and then one day the next week, which was horrific. But I, I made it work out, and it, it, it all worked out for me in the end. But it wasn't easy. So thanks a lot. I appreciate the call. Thank you Thank for you. sharing your thoughts with us as well this morning, uh, Frank. Interesting thoughts from some of the folks listening to us. Talking with Jacqueline Newman on our program. She is a New York City-based divorce lawyer, experienced New York uh, matrimonial law expert. Her firm's website at nycdivorcelawyer, that's all as one word, dot com. Got to ask, in the day and age in which we live, where many of us in our homes have pets. And I guess here we get into this idea of for lack of a better term, pet custody. How is that handled? So, you know, it is something that is probably more popular than it was in in the past. Um, Basically, what will happen is that, you know, you'll have a lot of people, whether they have children or not, are starting to fight now about the dog, and they're starting to fight about the cat or the pets. And, and, you know, we're in a very pet-centric world, so you can understand where it comes from. Um, I think the way that people are dealing with it very often is if there are children, Sometimes the pet will follow the children, so they'll follow whatever um, custody arrangement is going on. And when that doesn't work, then you get it. You can get into another battle about, you know, it's another thing to fight about. And so people will not only be fighting about the, you know, who gets the pet, they'll also be fighting about the costs of who pays for the pet. So that's another issue that comes up a lot. And, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely gotten to a point where it's a big topic of discussion. Financial abuse in marriage. What do especially women have to watch out for? So financial abuse, it, it really branches off of emotional abuse, but it's often not recognized as abuse. And it's a situation where one person controls another by using money as a threat. So while there are more women in the workplace than there ever were before, in the majority of households, husband is still the primary breadwinner. So things like the quick examples of it is when one spouse is kept and keeps the other in the financial dark and will not allow full transparency regarding the marital assets, when an allowance is doted out to the other spouse, when one member of a relationship has to account to the other for every dime that's spent, or when one spouse does not allow the other to go back to work, um, it makes that person feel badly about wanting to work, or obviously then when a spouse steals money. So those are your top type of things that you want to be looking out for. And it doesn't mean that if one thing is happening that there's definitely financial abuse in the marriage, but it does mean that you know if all of them are happening or a majority of them are happening, it's something you should just explore as to what's really going on. What do you mean does not allow the other spouse to go back to work? So I've seen situations where if we say that a woman stays home, she decides to leave her job to stay home and raise the children and then wants to go back to work. And a lot of times, you know, not a lot of times, but often I've seen husbands say to them, well, then you're not being a good mother. Or, you know, how can you do this to them? And that sort of thing. It makes them feel guilty about the fact that they want to work. And part of the motivation behind that sometimes can be, um, that they really just don't want the woman making money to then, you know, then it equals their playing field and it becomes a less of a powerful position. And when that's going on, 
then that could be an example of financial abuse. It doesn't mean that if you are saying, I do think it's better for the children to have someone who's a stay-at-home mom, that doesn't mean that you're financially abusive. But if your motivation is because you do not want her to earn income to be in an equal playing field as you, then that could be more of a problem. Mm. Interesting uh, discussion. There's so many different areas that are covered here, too. Jacqueline Newman has joined us and shared thoughts with us on a variety of areas. Glad we were able to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us. Thank you very much for joining us. Certainly the best with your new books as well, too. Thank you for having me. Interesting discussion. NYCDivorceLawyer.com. The website for her firm, her two books, Soon to Be X, A Woman's Guide to Her Perfect Divorce and Relaunch, and Soon to Be X for Men, Preserving Wealth, Fatherhood, and Sanity During Divorce. Glad we were able to explore that topic again. Rick Wolf is along with the Sports Edge program after our 8 o'clock update this Sunday morning. Looks like he's survived traveling into the station today. New York City Half Marathon is taking place today. Ed Randall will be by after our 9 o'clock update this morning, talking baseball here on The Fan. And um, our pleasure to be with you since 6 o'clock. We will see you next Sunday morning. And um, let's just say... It's a show that has an interesting twist in it. I wouldn't want to miss it, and I don't plan to. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.